Father, we invite the presence of your Holy Spirit right now. We know you're already here. We just want to experience your presence right now. And we ask that you speak to us from your word. Your word is what gives life. And we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, This is the beginning of a series. And uh, it's how to raise kids to become great in life. Can it be done? I believe it can be done. And if you have children, God will give you wisdom from these messages and more from his Holy Spirit to know how to raise kids that you can be sure when they grow up, they will be great in life. Now, we need to understand this, that we are living in a very dangerous time. Things are really tough. The kids are having to deal with challenges that I didn't have to deal with. And you didn't have to deal with. And many times they don't know exactly what to do. A lot of problems in the world. There are a lot of changing codes, moral codes, that are confusing to the kids. They don't know what's right and what's wrong. What was wrong today becomes right. And they're wondering what's really happening. And these things are changing Right before our eyes. Kids are having to deal with things like depression. Kids are dealing with things like suicide. They're having to deal with gang activities. All kinds of evils around them that you didn't have to go through. So the challenges for them today is really great. The challenges are great. So what can I do as a parent to help these kids to have a fighting chance in life to be successful? Stay alive and be successful. Many, many kids today are heavily drugged just to keep them normal because of what they're going through. So what's my role? What's the role of the church? To help these kids have a chance in, I mean, a, a chance in life to be successful. It is so important. It's your responsibility as a parent to do, to provide whatever it takes to help your kids. It's our responsible, uh, responsibility. Now, in First Ch- Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, It's a story about David. It says here, now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke about stoning him. Because the soul of the people, the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his son. And daughters. Every man for his sons and daughters. What's happened? Now, David had befriended an enemy king, a Philistine king, and they were together like friends. And and now the king, the Philistine king, decided he was going to fight against David's own people. And then invited David, his friend, to come along with him to kill his own people. David felt more. I believe David felt, God, how did I get here? I have to kill my own people and fight with this king? That was real trouble. I mean, I believe he was truly disturbed by that. 
And then as they got to the battlefront, he said nothing to the king. I'm sure David didn't want to fight. He didn't want to kill his own people. He said nothing. And I believe he was saying, God, please get me out of this. And there was trouble in the camp. And they said, we don't want David fighting with us. I'm sure David said, hey, what have I done? I'm a good guy. I love you. I'm sure in his heart he was saying, thank you, Jesus. I'm out of here. I don't want to fight with these guys. I don't want to kill my own people. But after David left that place, he went back to his family. He had about 600 men that he had raised. And then when they got there, they found that the, that the Amalekites and another group of enemies had come in and punked the whole village. And they took their sons, their daughters, and their wives. And warriors began to weep. These were warriors. Some of them were killed. Hundreds of people in a fight. They wept because of their children and their wives. Some of them were so, so disturbed by what had happened, they couldn't even go out to fight. He was very painful. He said, the soul of the people was grieved. It, it had passed just, you know, just their physical self. It gotten into their very soul. All for their children. And the Bible says, David strengthened himself in the Lord and called this man, we've got to fight to get our kids and our wives back. Today, we don't have an enemy coming in to pick, take, up, take up our kids and pick our kids and give them and our wives and bring them into captivity. But we have a lot of things happening. Alcohol. Drugs. Suicide. Gang activities. Depression. All of these things are taking our kids into captivity. And you know, God is so good. He's given us so much Today, there's increase in knowledge, all kinds of technology. Increase. And the kids have to go into this, and they're really into it. I told my daughter one time, we were driving, I said, uh, oh, man, there used to be a payphone over here. She said, what's payphone? <laughs> oh, I suddenly realized I'm old. <laughs> I need to explain to my daughter what the prayer phone is like. He said, how does it operate? Oh, now you're young, you know, the way I felt. But they have to deal with all of these things. And, and these things are from God. But the enemy uses the same things that God has given to us to better our lives. And he's using some of it to trap our kids. You've heard about kids testing while they're driving, right? And a whole group of them in a car taken off. So what can we do to help our kids? What if I tell you that there is a program that is being heavily researched by different universities in the country including government institutions that will truly help you and the kids. They use the word dramatic increase, dramatic reduction, statistically significant increase or reduction in 
the things that they're reporting to us. And they're saying, if a family will commit to this program faithfully, adhere to the program, be persevere through the program and follow through, that this program will provide some of these things. And I'm going to share with you this program today. Share these this, uh, things with you. Some great benefits that this program will bring to you and your family. First benefit, this program will promote the well-being of individuals in the family. And the family as a whole. This program will provide you with a healthy and stable family life. If you adhere to it, you commit to it, and you persist in it. The researchers, not all Christians, they are saying, yes, it works. It works. It helps your family. It helps the kids. It says it will reduce the incidence of domestic abuse in the home. This program will. This program will reduce, I mean, this program will produce strong marriages. It will improve your physical and mental health. It will increase the number of your days in this life. This program will. And then the researchers also found something interesting as I read. They said these benefits, the benefits of following this program doesn't just stay with you and your family. These benefits can be transferred from one generation to the next generation and to the other generation after that. So it's it's an important program. Now let me share what they say this program will do for your kids. The first thing is that it will improve the odds that your child will obtain a college degree. Don't you like a program like that? That's a wonderful program. This program will dramatically lower the child's risk for suicide. The program will significantly reduce your child's use and risk for alcohol, tobacco, and drugs. This program will. The program will also dramatically reduce the risk for committing crime. It will improve the child's odds for a very happy life. This program will help your child rebound from depression 70% faster. Children go through depression. And that's when they begin to think they, they, there's, no reason, there's no reason to leave. Let me just take my life out. But this program will actually help the kids rebound 70% of the time. It will provide them with a lifelong moral compass, the researchers say. The program will provide them with a caring, extended family. And I'm going to share with you the universities that have given us this uh, result from this program. This uh, research research was done and given to us from Duke University. Indiana University, the University of Michigan, the Center of Disease Control, Bama Research Group, Gallup, Pew, and the National Institute for 
healthcare research. All of them gave us these things that I've shared with you about this program, that this is a wonderful program. How much are you willing to give to get into a program like this that will extend your, your, your child's life and extend your life? How much are you willing to give? Now, if you can put your hands on this program, for most of us, if we're told we guarantee this will help you, if you give us this amount, we're willing to give. We're willing to do this. So how much are you willing to give? What if I tell you that this is a free program? Really free. Free for everyone. You know what this program is? Attending church two hours every week. Simple. If you will attend church with your family two hours every week in a year and you stay consistent, persistent, and you're committed to it, you can have this benefit. The researchers have said this. this. Some of them possibly are not Christians, but they know this works. It works. Let me share something that a group, the Obama group of researchers, what they said. They told us this. I'm looking for where I wrote that down here. It says, children who engage in a faith community on a regular basis are rewarded with a significant reduction in the likelihood of life problems and risky behaviors and stand to significantly improve their odds of a happier, healthier, and longer life. So when you get your kids involved in church, they stand a chance to have a happier life. It's such a simple thing. What are you willing to do for your kids? You don't have to teach them anything. You don't just take them to church. That's what our parents did, right? They took us to church. And look at how you turned out. (laughs) You just take them to church every week. Many of us will give anything to help our kids. We're willing to help. How is it that taking your child to church just for two hours a week is so difficult? The benefits are so great. And God has made it clear to us. He's giving us that. This works. The researchers, Duke University, all of these universities, they know this thing works. They don't know why it works. They just know and they've researched it. It works in the families, in the, in, in the home. In marriages, it works just because they go to church two hours every week. What will happen if they do more of it every week? You see, sometimes we are looking for formulas that are so complex. We want the gurus to sit down and be telling us all this crazy stuff for you to do. And you sit back and watching and taking notes. It's a simple. Take them to church every Sunday morning. And watch them stay out of crime. And watch them dream 
about the future. How great the future will be with them. So what are you doing as a parent? These kids didn't ask to be born into your family. You and your wife decided, yes, we want them. You brought them into your family and God gave them to you. What are you doing to give them a fighting chance at life? To be successful. If you're doing nothing, you're selfish. All you're thinking is about yourself. You're not thinking about the kids and their kids and their marriages. And you're not thinking about any of that. You're just thinking about yourself. Many of us are so happy because we're providing for them. They should be happy because I'm providing for them. But how do your provision deal with their thoughts of suicide in their head? These things are important. When we come to church and we're talking about how to raise kids to be great in life, we're looking for formulas. It's simple. Everything that God gives is so simple. And he's saying all you have to do is believe and act on it and get the results. You have the results. Reduction in in, in abuse in the home. Just because you go to church. The researchers have this. You know, it's funny. When Pastor Andy and I were in England, and the English people now, they know. They, have, they are employing ministers. <laughs> and they pay ministers. I think they are doing it in the, in the Northeast as well, in the United States. They pay ministers to stay around the hospital and pray with patients because studies have shown just their presence and their prayer helping them. And we met one of them who was employed by a, a public hospital to do that, just to pray. There's something in this. Going to God's house and being faithful and being consistent, being persistent in following just that. So important. Why does this work? Why is it that it, it, this works? They've done studies. It doesn't work for people who join Social clubs, they don't have the same results. Joining sports clubs and all of that, it doesn't work. They don't have this kind of result. So there's got to be something in this that's making this happen. And I believe that the only reason why going to church can bring, give us these results, the only reason for that is because there is a God God is. God is the factor that the researchers cannot measure in their research. He is the one that's there that is making these things happen. He's because of God. You know, we have to understand this that a man is made up of three parts. Just as you say, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God is letting you know the three parts to this one God. He made us in his own image. There are three parts to your being. There is the innermost part of your being, which is your spirit. And then there is the inner part of your being, which is your soul, the seat of your emotions, and where decisions are made, and all of that. And then there is the outer part which is your flesh which we are all uh, you know familiar and aware of because it's constantly making demands i want that ice cream and i want that stuff 
And the soul is what is the part, your, in, your intellect, your, the seat of your emotions, that will make the decision. And the soul makes decision based on what's coming out from the innermost part of you, which is your spirit, or what's coming out from your, the outer part, which is your flesh. And if your flesh is really strong, he whips your spirit and your soul makes decisions all the time based on what the flesh wants and you go that way and according to this Bible, you die eventually. So it's your spirit, the inner part of that. That's the part that was made in the image of God. God made man in his image. God is a spirit. So that part of you, the innermost part of you, that's the one that is in the nature of God. That's the one that God deals with when he does business with you. And when he feels that part of you, that's the spirit of you, then when that part gets strong, that part can control your decisions and move you towards prosperity. But when your spirit is wimpy, and can't do anything, you feel exposed all the time. You remember what happened after Adam sinned? He hid himself from the presence of God, he says, because I am I'm naked. I'm naked. Until your spirit is clothed by the presence of God, you are not complete. You're not complete. And you can't really make it the way God created you on the earth. I wish Christians will fully understand that when you receive Christ into your spirit, you become a complete human being just like he was. He had no fear. He was the master. He was, he was just, he had nothing. He says, the prince of this world comes, he has nothing in me. He was not afraid of death. He walked towards it. He was afraid of nothing. He was in the wilderness fasting with wild beasts and all of that. He was a real man, a complete man, because his spirit was full of God. Amen? And so he was fully clothed. This is what makes the difference. And bringing your kids to church, what that does is you are giving them opportunity to be clothed with the presence of God. And all this crazy stuff going out in the world, they can only affect the outer part, but then the inner one that has become so strong takes over, and it's the master, and they know not to come near. And that's why you have these statistics. Reduction. Great, significant, dramatic reduction. In the fact that, in the sense that one day they might even think, consider suicide makes the family unit strong and then it's transferred from one generation to the other why is it transferring from one generation to the other generation because that's the way god is god is a family man that's why you have god the father god the son and god the holy spirit god is a family man in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and, and 15, Paul was speaking. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You put that on? 
I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family in heaven and earth is named. God is a family man. And your family should be named after his family. He wants to be a part of your family. He wants your family to be complete. God is a family man. God wants you to build your family on a solid foundation. If you're going to build, how can you be building when you're naked? You get nothing. If you're going to build, God wants you to build your family on a very solid foundation. If you build your house and it's not on a solid foundation, and God talks about your house being your life, if it's not on a solid foundation, it's going to go down. Because Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7, I believe 24 and 25, it tells us there. So it says, therefore, whoever, Jesus speaking, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, Jesus said, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. No, on the rock. The rock meaning himself, Christ. He is the one that completes you. Before your spirit can be clothed, there is a need for blood. Just like God did with Adam. When Adam said he was naked, God went and got an animal. Remember? Took the animal and got the skin of the animal. I'm sure there was a lot of blood and put it on Adam. Amen? And he did the same thing with the children of Israel. He's the foundation. If a man hears the sayings of mine and does them, Jesus said, I will liken him to a wise man. Why a wise man? Because your decision building on that rock will affect your kids. First, affect your family, your kids, and the kids after them from generation to generation. And according to the word of God, even to the 10th generation. 10th generation. So it depends on you what you want to do. He says, for your house, you're built on the rock, the wind, the rain will come, rain will fall. That's going to happen. The rain will come, the floods will come, the winds will blow, but the house, he said, it was turned because. It was founded on the rock. That's the important thing. You see, I said God is a family man. He's always worked that way. He picked up Abraham and got into a covenant with Abraham. And then through Abraham, he walked with Abraham to Abraham's son, Isaac. Not the whole world, just one family. He wants to be a part of your family. He's a family man. He doesn't just walk with the world. He walks with your family. God is 
that kind of a person. From Abraham to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob. Walking in the family. When God comes into your family, it's interesting. I heard Pastor Al talking about covenant. He makes a covenant with your family. He makes a covenant with your family. To him, entering into a covenant with God is so important. He knows you are the weaker one in the covenant. He knows you are just a man. You can't do much. But he is the bigger one, the stronger one in the covenant. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of your children. And when you're gone, he keeps his covenant just like he did with Abraham. He dealt with Abraham until Abraham died. And then he went and stayed with Isaac. And Isaac died. And then he went with Jacob. And he's still doing it today with the children of Israel. That's the kind of God we serve. And what he's asking for. What he's asking for is for you to give him a chance to cut a covenant with you. Let him become part of your family. That's why we got those results. When God becomes a part of your family, you have those results. It will affect your family, and then it will affect your family, the family after your family, and then their family after that. That's the way God is. But let him be a part of your family. Cut a covenant with him using the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God will not impose himself. The door is open for every family that wants him to be a part of the family. That's why Jesus, the Bible says this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And what? And your house. God doesn't want to deal with you as an individual alone. He wants the whole family. And if you make a commitment to him, he takes your family. He becomes a family member in your house. I've experienced that. Amen? He's one of our family members. He's always perfect. We're flaky from some time to time. But he's the perfect one. He stays in the family, keeping the order, making sure the kids are okay. Because this is his family, amen? This is my family. I'm going to take care of my family. I'm the bigger one in this family. That's why you got those results. Amen. He wants you to make cut a covenant with him. And when you cut a covenant with God, using the blood of Jesus is precious, amen? Because for every covenant, there must be blood. And Jesus is already giving his blood. And today you can make a covenant with God. It's called an everlasting covenant. God said in, in Psalm 89 verse 34, He says, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the words that have come out of my mouth. He will never break His covenant for any reason. So what a man has to do first, before we go into what to do, the particulars at home to help the kids, the first thing Take them to church. Amen. <laughs> Take them to church. And when you get to church, make a covenant with God there at church. So when you go home, you go home with your covenant partner. And he stays in your home. Your address becomes his address. Everything you own, you own together with them. You know, I can jump into my son's car. 
into my wife's car. We own everything together. Amen? That's God in your family. Bow your heads with me this morning. The first step is to make a covenant. Some of us have entered into a covenant with God. But we are not walking according to the covenant. But we want to make that covenant back. We want to restore the covenant and say, God, I mean business. I want to stay in covenant with you. I need all these results in my family. I need you to take over. There are things I can do. I need you to take over. Some of us haven't even entered into a covenant with God. And you're saying, God, today I believe what I've heard. I want to make a covenant with God this morning. I'm going to use the blood of Jesus because you gave Jesus to me. You gave him. He died on the cross. And I'm going to take his blood and enter into a covenant with you today. I'm coming back home to be a part of your family. I need you to be a part of my family. If you're that person this morning and you're saying, I want a covenant with God, put your hand up quickly. Put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. You really want God to be a part of your family. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I want you to stand up to your feet. Stand up to your feet. No shame and begin to come up here. Come up and join me. 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 Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah, come on. Thank you, Jesus. You make a covenant with your God this morning. Come up, come up, come up and join me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is how it works. When you enter into that covenant with God and you mean it, he takes you on. And begins to walk in your life. Yes. He takes you on. There are some of you still sitting back. And you know you ought to be here. Why? You can't be ashamed before God. You know you need him. Why are you sitting back there when you know all is not well. Between you and God. You are considering what people think. Your life is more important. Than what people think. You need to make that commitment to God. And mean it. And see the wonderful things that God will do for you. And your family. Thank you, Father. Prayer partners, please pray with these people. First, you want to commit your life to the Lord. Commit your life to the Lord. Tell Jesus, I need you. I'm committing my life to you. I want to be saved. I want to know you from the bottom of my heart. I'm holding nothing back. I will serve you. I will serve you with all of my heart. I need these blessings. All of the blessings we've mentioned, they are all from our God to us. And he loves every single individual. Everyone is loved by God. There is no exception. If you give your life to God, he accepts you and he blesses you. You can make that commitment. And now, let me let you know, young people, if you want to do the same, please come up here. Come up here. Young people, you want to make that commitment to God? Not just for the parents. I need you up here too. Thank you, Jesus.
Jesus. Covenant with you. An everlasting covenant that will bring changes into your lives. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time that we're spending in your presence. You are with us. You are with us, Father. We thank you. Please stand up with me this morning. And uh, I want everyone in this congregation, every one of us, if you don't understand covenant, this is the way God operates. When he delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, he said, I've heard the cries in Egypt. And I've remembered my covenant. And I've come down from heaven to deliver them. When God remembers his covenant that you've made with him, he comes down for a fight and no one can stand in his way. Every difficulty, every problem is defeated and cast out. So I want you to raise your hands this morning. If there are issues in your life, and you're saying, God, I want to be free from these problems. Whatever they are, we're going to have a time of prayer. And God is going to take all of those difficulties and problems out of your lives this morning. Father God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you because the devil is defeated. We thank you because you have freed your people and you are setting them free right now according to the word of God by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bless your people today in the name of Jesus. Let grace and faith arise in your lives, oh God, for a greater life because of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen.